It's uh, 17 to 2 in the NFL game. Who's got 17? The Chiefs. Oh, thank God. They just, they just committed a face mask in the end zone. Oh, well. It's origami time. What we do here is go back, 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 back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wheel Route Podcast. This is what mildly and wildly legitimate conversation amongst friends and lovers about college football and lifestyle. You can find us on the internet, www.thewheelroute.com. You can go to uh, your email apparatus and send us emails to wheelroutepodcast at gmail.com. You can get the show from Apple Podcasts. You can get it from Spotify, the Google Podcast Center, etc. Stitcher, we're out there. Wheel Route Podcast on Instagram. My name is Logan Whitehouse. I'm on Twitter at LaguanDaDawn. I come to you guys yet again from rainy Stewart, Florida, where we're, 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 we're saturated at this point. The streets are flooding. I'm, I'm happy to announce the streets are flooding, and we're not playing a lot of golf. Uh, anyhow, who else is here? My name is Jordan Shank. I am in Harrisonburg, Virginia, where we have previously reported that warmer temps are on the way. Uh, I took a quick look. We we could hit the 80s this week in October. Hell so, yes. Uh, I'm sure it's nothing to worry about. I'm sure it's just normal stuff. Fire up the shorts. The thighs are coming back out. Um, I'm on <laughs> Twitter.com, at Shank Jordan. And a new school is on my list this week to take to the woodshed for personal injury. Uh <laughs> Who is it? We can or can't get into it at a later point. Okay, but fair enough. Maybe we'll I'm still happy to be here. We will get into it. We will get into it. Perfect. Uh, my name is Jason Crick. I am also in Harrisonburg, Virginia, um, where I'm very excited about warm weather uh, in the summer month of October. And the extended summer of Jason. That's right. It's, it, it, Mother Nature knows. This is what I was very nice to her for so many years. She's finally paying me back. Um, I tweet things at Jason Crick. Uh, yeah, excited to talk about the week that was with you boys. Indeed, the week yeah. that was, the week that is, the perpetual week. Yes, the perpetual week in the summer of Jason. That's, That's going right. to be the name of your of your documentary what, that we do in, about the summer. What's that surf document? Endless summer. Oh yeah, yeah. The this is a long week, the people. endless summer. I mean, yeah. come on. I love it. If the Powerball hits, it could be an endless summer. I'm saying. Speaking of endless summers, Jason, are you drinking anything this evening? Uh, I am not. I had like a coughing fit around dinner, so I popped a shot of Delsum and figured it was not best to put the beers on top of that. So uh, got some high-quality H2O in Very my safe. emotional support water bottle. Jordan, tell me all about it. Uh, I'm also going water with a little ice in the water canteen happy to report that i'm making my way out of protocols oh he's cleared uh, two negative tests this weekend and boy he's back already suck it haters just in time for the golf shorts the haters are furious um i have a spin drift this is the raspberry lime i am um i think i'm cashing in on the costco trip that supplied uh, a baby shower this weekend so get excited for just a, a bevy of different bubbly beverages. 
a bevy of bevies. Love yeah. that. We I have a lot of champagne here too, so you know, might pop that on the pod. This if is, we have is, uh, if we have a big uh, milestone coming up, you know. I lost count a long time <laughs> ago. <laughs> but uh, if if one of our viewers here, can go back and check those numbers for us, that would be very would be helpful. Great. Yeah. yeah. I'll text my guy at Spotify. It's a uh, quick uh, Ooh, good idea. Count. Is the baby shower leftovers that that's the married equivalent of the Martin's pick and choose six pack or it's the uh, real adult version instead of just what I do. Probably, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Probably, yeah. That's I think fair. we just, you know, I have a, a, I have an egg carton filled with mini muffins here. Um, I've got one Ooh. piece of coffee cake, and I've got uh, like six bottles of prosecco. So you know, it's love that. Too. What a what a <laughs> Bellini okay. season, baby! It's Bellini season. That's what I'm, I'm happy to announce. <laughs> the perpetual Bellini lives it's on true. here. Bellini's wallet just dumps rain. What a, yeah. what a state of affairs. <laughs> the, the whitest girl activity possible. But that's okay. Um, yeah, happy to be out here. Do do we want to chat just briefly? The Ryder Cup was this weekend. We did make yeah. – we made we made bold and daring. We made provocative picks <laughs> at the end of the podcast last time. Jason and I were wrong. Yeah. Jordan reigns victorious. Yeah. Maybe? Kind Jordan of. Almost, Jordan, they flirted with catching Jordan up to the score. It got – yeah, you I said Europe with 16 points. It ended up being 16 and a half to yep. 11 and a half. Yeah, it's so. well done. Yep. I well. have I've had so many like, you know what? I should probably place that of golf <laughs> bets this year <laughs> that would have would have really made for some more fun vacations. Yep. Uh, but so it goes. So it goes. Right. You miss 100 Turns out you do miss 100% of the shots. You As a podcast, we can confirm that you do miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Right. So, Jason, what's the postmortem on, on the uh, on, on the um, the Ryder Cup? Well, I you know, just uh, just we know we lined up to the starting eight and the gun went off and we somebody had tied our shoes together and that, that's difficult to overcome. And it's like the, the, the Wiley Coyote gun that like goes and gets yeah. limp and then like looks back around. Right. And, like, we just shot right. ourselves. Right. right. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I think there are very legitimate bones to pick uh, in the leadership. Uh, I think there are very legitimate bones to pick in pretty much everything. I don't think you can point to anything that the U.S. They didn't play very good either. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, Max I don't think Max did. Our, Max, our boy Max played awesome, which was Max wonderful to see. Max uh, is a dog. The main takeaway here to me is don't trust a PXG guy ever. I think that's we're one of one in the Ryder Cup for not trusting PXG's guys. So, (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we alluded to it in the podcast last week. We said Europe needed its top dogs to, to run out front. And they very much did Um, to, yeah, they, they held Rory, John Rahm and uh, Victor were, freaking nuts all weekend and victor uh, hovland has the like i'm gonna be number one player in the world frequently look to him uh these days which is sweet with the most boyish smile glee absolute glee yes i mean listen i've been i've been on the victor bandwagon for longer than i should have been but like i i defy anybody to to dislike him remotely I, i think he's just like the most likable dude in the world yeah um and he's I I think it's like very awesome and like everybody's talked about this. I'm breaking zero new ground, but like it was like two years ago that he was like, "Oh man, I just really suck at chipping," um, and like was very open about it and laughed about it on national television, uh, and then like worked his tail off at it and is now 
like a very above average chipper and around the greens. And it turns out when you take somebody with his driving and his irons and his putting and fix the only bad part of his game, you get the basically the best player in the world. And um, yeah, I think he's poised to, to kind of maybe be that dude for like a couple of years here. Um, Got to win a major. And, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, he does. He does have to win a major. Been, he, he's been close. It's not like he hasn't. It's not like he's uh, yeah. Max Homo with the majors. So. He's not coming out of nowhere. But um, and then you know on the American side, just I I said this on Twitter today, but um, our boy DJ Pie, I know laying up. I think he was right. I think you know when the U.S. team is vibing and everybody's winning, like they're awesome at front runners. They're the more talented team. They're incredible, but they got punched in the face as hard as any team ever has and it took them you know 24 hours to shake themselves out of it um they kind of kind of dug their heels in friday afternoon and then they i mean it was literally a three-point flip on 17 and 18 across two matches at the end of friday and and that's what doomed us you know you could if you get out of that session and you win two and a half points instead of one point right you know, everything you go to the end of the first day and you're down five and a half to two and a half. Like, that's not good, but we've over like that deficit has been overcome before. Um, to finish the day down seven one, that's that's really hard to come back from. And right, so I, I just, you know, I, I think you know, the Ryder Cup, it's team golf, and I think I don't know if many people realize how, uh, like most of the youth golf system in Europe like team golf is very common. Like they play for their countries. They play in like junior, like, you know, I've, I have a special glimpse into this. I was a former golf SID, but like we had plenty of recruits that like, Oh yeah, he played for the Italian national team. He played for the, mm-hmm. you know, Peruvian national, like not Peruvian, um, like Spanish national team and stuff like that. And so um, they're very used to it. It means a lot to them. Like, right. I think it's, I, I say this as somebody like, I never saw him play live, but I've seen clips of Seve Ballesteros, one of my favorite golfers of all time. Um, like they still reference him. Like everybody in their post match interviews were like, yeah, we did this for our teammates and for Europe and our families and our coaches and Seve. And like, they just <laughs> got this guy who like, he's like a know, legend, right? He, he passed away 10 years ago. And, but like he, he basically transformed the entire face of European golf and they, they just want it more than the U S team. And they always do. And they, probably will for the foreseeable future and they always have and so uh you know in in environments like that you can't have a team that even barely doesn't feel like being there and you know we can we can talk about the reports of the fracture and all that stuff it didn't really seem like they were fractured especially saturday afternoon when they got the only spark they could possibly get um i'm sure there was like there's always mumbling golfers or divas but like they weren't the european team European team. Yeah, they just didn't seem like that like much of a team. There's there's some uh you know some weaselly unlikable characters strewn throughout the US team. Just like whether whether we whether we whether we know that or not, uh to be completely true. And um I don't know. The European team is by leaps and bounds the more likable team. It's not even remotely close. And and I I think that you know, you can I'm I'm usually a fan of, you know, God, the, the data versus chemistry debate is beaten down and i'm usually a fan of data but like in the Ryder cup that stuff matters and europe is just much much better at at it than we are and has been for 30 years and um 
KVV talked in the show today about like he doesn't really think anything's going to change because there's a lot of American arrogance revolving around, well, we're just more talented. We just need to go play better. And like, sure, that is also true. But like, yeah, but I mean, didn't they win the White Rider Cup by like 10 and a half points last time? I mean, we're like two years removed from like, yeah, so that's the other thing. It's like, this so it's, not like it's not like it's a, uh, you know, I mean, clearly there's some home and away stuff going on there too. Yeah. Like, I, 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 your, your points are all well taken, but I do think that like, also, they did play poorly. Yeah, they did, and and like the, I think it's the last five Ryder Cups have all been at least decided by at least five points. So like, this wasn't even the biggest blowout in on European soil in the last like three or four Ryder Cups. And so, you know, it, it's not like an absolute disaster, but like, it, yeah. it's more the fact that like that American team outside of the top three is more talented at every single one of the other nine positions on the team. Right. And so it's it's clearly there is something to the like it goes beyond talent. And uh, anyways, a very, you know, it wasn't super exciting Friday and Saturday just because it was so lopsided. But like today got exciting. Like there was there was even the European guys were like, oh, there was like 40 minutes there where it was like, oh, this could slip real fast. And so credit to, to the U.S. getting back in singles where they should dominate because it's just one on one. Um, the U.S. clearly has a foursomes problem on European soil, they just cannot ever win a match in foursomes. I don't know why, but, um, yeah. Was, Brooks would be better at foursomes, given some of the rumors. <laughs> it's true. I, I mean, thought, I thought the golf course was an awesome match play oh, course. Such a good um, match play course. Incredible. Really disappointed to have the, like, 1.30 a.m. tees in the ground, though. Yeah, that was a bummer. Basically, took so. took eight full matches out of play for anybody who didn't want to make it an all nighter, which uh, not super fun. I understand they basically had to, but um, maybe let's let's go to some like Spanish courses and get us a couple extra hours or something like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it. it I think that place should host another one. Oh, soon. Yeah, absolutely. Just I mean that that final stretch, like Europeans beat our on 16 through 18, like repeatedly, uh, but gosh, just three or four outstanding match play holes to end that, to end that loop. Very good. Well, poor went out for team USA. Yeah. Congrats to the European squad. Uh, they're up at uh, Beth page black in two years. That's going to be a nightmare. Just going to be horrific fan behavior. And by several accounts, not a great golf course, just like a very challenging one. So we'll see how it works, but need to win that one. Yeah, maybe they could leave Spieth and JT at home for that one. That might be that might be nice. It might be. Although I will like JT did not play very well. There was a time Spieth did not play very well. Spieth was horrific. Um, <laughs> but JT didn't play very well. But he uh, he was for He's a brief period. You know, for a brief period on Saturday, he was the only dude on the American team that gave any sign of life, and that's why that's the entire reason you bring him. Um, I think hindsight being twenty twenty, you bring. Cam or Keegan instead of Sam Burns. That was if anybody pissed about the, like the buddy pool needs to be pissed at Sam Burns more than they're pissed at JT. Is it, that's well, I mean that's true. probably that's probably true. But Spieth was awful, and his wife had a baby like two weeks ago. So that's maybe correct. you know Brooks was not great either, and his wife had a baby like a month ago. Maybe we should you know just some of these guys maybe just shouldn't be playing like should awesome playing golf a little better. They yeah. deserve paternity leave. Choices have consequences. Well, and from what I hear, from what I hear. They don't get paid to be there. It would have been great. Oh. 
just a little Keegan Bradley in the mix would have been a delight. Delightful. I, I honestly weekend, think he could have made a difference, like on Friday, like actually showing <laughs> a little bit of getting pissed off and like. I mean, didn't no, Sam Burns see, and what's his like, name just roll their match on Saturday though? Yeah, Burns and Morikawa. Burns and they Morikawa, won. who also played like crap. Six and five um, or something, right? Someone made the point that like, if you bring Keegan, you need like seven Keegans. That's because right. Just one Keegan. In well, you have JT. I feel like, like I feel like JT's kind of got some, probably some unfortunate Keegan isms in him. Yeah, not to not to the it's degree of different Keegan. kind, but I, I get what you're saying. Keegan's kind of like the homeschooled excited, like like coach's son excited. Yeah. Oh, okay. Tebow, Tebow excited. Yeah. Yeah, a little Tebowish. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Well, we talked way longer than the 45 seconds we gave Jason to talk about this. So, yeah, um, cool. shout You're out welcome. to shout out to the Gulf World. Um, a little bit of a bummer that things didn't get going to the point yeah. where I really didn't watch any until like Saturday. <laughs> so I was kind of like, ah, well, not really going to check on this. Let's keep it moving. We've had another few days to think about our Michigan State coaching carousel. Do you guys have any names that you want to bandy about after a weekend where we saw some? Interesting coaching um, performances. We should have thought of uh, Chris Kleeman before he took his name out of the running. That's true. Well, that's specifically why I didn't put it there. I knew. Uh, you, were, <laughs> you had sources. I should, I should have trusted your sources. That's on me. It was an unspoken. Um, I was going to suggest Jonathan Smith, Oregon State, until I realized that he is coaching at his alma mater. Uh, so... So um, Pete Thamel had an article where he did the ESPN connected guy bandies about names, just probably that are fed to him directly from agents thing. And um, Jonathan Smith's name was on the list, Jordan. So look at you. Uh, both of the Pac-2 coaches' names actually were on the list in that. Well, yeah, see, that's the thing. There could like, be some, yeah. You're coaching at your alma mater, but there is no semblance of like yeah. uh, sturdiness or certainty in terms of the future of what conference your program ends up in, TV deals, things of that nature. Um, and both the so, programs are on, like, what I would say, pretty good trajectories right now, So that, which is just a bummer for college football in yeah. like the Pacific Northwest. So, um, But I think both of those guys, like based on you could probably make more money at Michigan State and get some more leash and do some different things, there. and there's more resources, yada, yada, like, you know, more money for you, more resources for you. Um, you know, more football for you maybe, but uh, those two guys, I saw a little bit, a little Bill O'Brien. <laughs> Who gets excited for some Bill O'Brien? Um, I don't think Michigan State does. Continue to see Narduzzi. Apparently he was a target last time when they hired uh, um, Mel Tucker, which is wild. Maybe, maybe that's why they lost to VPI last night. It's already <laughs> in East Lansing in his mind. He's recruiting. He's trying to express yeah. the Spartan club already. Uh, and then Mike Elko's name pops up. Lance Lance Leipold's name pops up. The kind of typicals. I think I, I, I was really well. We'll get to it, but I was really I'm really impressed with the job Elko's done at Duke. Duke looks really yeah. really like awesome, good, uh, yeah. tough. All the things that you would like to say about your program that sometimes you can't. So, um, all right, we'll keep it going there. Justin Fuente and Bronco Mendenhall, Mendenhall, notably not on the list, Jordan, unfortunately for us and our, and our you know, personal well, axes were grinding. But it's early. What is it, week five? We got time. That's fine. That means I just called it before everybody. <laughs> Justin Fuente's got his beady little, his beady little As eyes. As I do per usual, I am way ahead of this curve. <laughs> Good point. All right, let's 
jump to some games. We'll talk, and then Jordan will take us to Pickville. But USC was at Colorado. This was a nine. Was it nine a.m. or ten a.m. local kick? Maybe ten. Might be Mountain Time there um, in Colorado. And uh, USC jumped out to the lead. We all, I think, kind of thought. And to Colorado's credit, they gamely battled back in the game. I think they only lost this by seven was the final score. Um, Some significant around on the like last scoring drive for Colorado. That was a little weird. They didn't seem to be for a team that runs like a very up-tempo offense. They did not seem to be like on the gas. It it was just weird. They just seemed to be hurt, not hurrying. Um, They still had an onside. They spent some timeouts that they shouldn't have. Yeah. Or like, they shouldn't have needed to in the second half. I don't know if it was on that last scoring drive or not. I don't think it was, but I mean, they just didn't. They didn't really seem like they had like a, a, their two-minute offense doing two-minute offense things. Not a lot of running to the line, which is fine. They still had an onside kick to get the ball back with like a minute left, which is plenty of time for them yeah. to score. So, like the result is ultimately fine, but it was just kind of odd because their defense had been playing kind of well and had gotten USC off the field like three straight drives um, that allowed them to sort of get back into it and. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, the big takeaway here was USC's defense is just not good. They're down to give up points, and like they can give up points fast. Yeah, too. They, they're, they're not like a they're not like a bend 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 bend, bend, bend yeah. break defense. They're like a just dude break. butt naked wide open. Yeah, the staggering thing to me was not that like, oh yeah, they're they're apt to give up some points. They can't really slow anybody down. It was like, no, when their dam bursts, it is immediately and all at once, and. Kind of remarkable to watch. Now, Colorado's an offense that can hit you really fast, but, man, those dudes were very open there in the fourth quarter. Shout-out to Colorado receiver. Uh, the young man's first name was Omarion. Loved that. Yeah. Peaches, peaches and cream out there with, like, 140 receiving yards. Beautiful. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a hell of a game. I mean, it was, a hell of a, it was a hell of a spirited comeback attempt. I think USC, this is probably the like, game wasn't as close as the final score indicated, even though Colorado was like trying to get the ball back, <laughs> you know, uh, um, USC quarterback whose name is just not in my head right now. What's his name? Caleb Someone tell Williams. me. Caleb, Caleb Williams. Williams. His, 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 his sweet Caleb is awesome as advertised six touchdowns or so in like the first two and a half quarters. Pretty good game. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. All right. Just to reiterate, we want Caleb Williams to be awesome, but not completely awesome. Not too awesome. We right, want him to be right. second most awesome. Well, especially given some results this week. So That's what I'm you know, saying. It's, you know, time is need, a factor. Time is a need, factor. The Phoenix will rise again. Remember that. Okay. All right. From the ashes. <laughs> UGA. Nice. That landing. That was nicely done. The dogs made the trip to the plains to take on Auburn and... Cam Newton was there. Cam Newton was there. Uh, Charles Barkley was there. Suni Lee was there. Was Bo, um, Bo was there, I think, maybe? Potentially. Frank Bo. Thomas was there. Frank, Frank Thomas. Thomas that's that was, he was the other one in the famed picture yeah. um, that made his way around. But uh, I don't understand why Georgia, <laughs> like, dawdles as much as they do. It's really interesting because they, it seems like they can just do the like, all right, it's going to be the Brock Bowers drive. We need a touchdown. It's the third and a half quarter. We've played 40 minutes of football, and it's time for us to score a couple touchdowns and then kind of like salt this thing away. And they did it, and it's fine. I think Beck looks really good. 
talented at least. He missed some throws early. That yeah, like created some separation. That's probably true. Their 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 offense is um, just like I don't know. It seems like Bobo is just kind of like exploring the space, and then like it becomes clear like okay, now let's do the thing we need to do so we can win the game, then we can get out of here. And it's kind of frustrating because they're really good, clearly really talented, but you kind of wonder if like could they get got by doing a little too like. Maybe it's if they kind of like the Virginia basketball dilemma. Yes. Like not not that UVA recruits to the level that Georgia football does. Right. But it's the like, well, we don't run as many plays or as many possessions, so we have to be mega efficient to create separation. Yeah. If you intentionally if not, shrink your margin for error, then yeah. it it makes it more likely that errors will creep in and <laughs> and matter at the end of the game and like maybe if you weren't playing an auburn team that was doing the most psychopathic like quarterback rotation i've ever seen like insane shout out to them for being able to like not have 20 fall star penalties with all these different quarterbacks coming in and out of the game it was worse than steve spurrier doug johnson uh jesse palmer back in the day when he would yank those guys out like every other he would at least let them have a drive uh and then the other guy would come in but i mean that was weird i guess i was sort of impressed with auburn um but i don't know they don't really look like they didn't look they didn't look bad but they looked more weird than good and i don't know if that's sustainable yeah i think the result makes you feel better about auburn than like the aesthetics of the game really did because they didn't. They do... never felt like a threat to win the game. Yeah, but they were certainly going to keep it close. Sure, and I think Auburn's always going to have athletes, and that is a really imposing home environment. Um, so we'll see how it goes. They got to get some figured out with quarterback, the Robbie Ashford, Peyton Thorn, uh, whoever the other guy is, tri-headed monsters. Not not great. It's entertaining though. It is. At the very least. Yeah. Um. Jordan, the Who's, made the trip to Chestnut Hill. Yeah, they did. For the first half. Um, they might have gone home at halftime. It's unclear what they happened there. What uh, happened. Yet again, a, a uh, game UVA performance, getting them up to a 14-0 lead, I think. And then... 14-0, 21-7 at half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with a Hail Mary to, to bolster them into the halftime. Oh, so did either of you guys see this sequence? I did not see the sequence. All I, all I saw was the final pass. I have no idea what transpired. All right, so Virginia gets the ball. They've got, like, under a minute. I think BC had just scored a touchdown. They get the ball. Uh, they do, the, like, the quasi, like, maybe we want to try to score, maybe we don't. Like, some probing plays, um, a half-assed hurry-up <laughs> offense, the, the real Des Kitchen special. The um, ho and they got to, like, under 20 seconds left. Musket gets called for an intentional grounding with under 10 seconds left. They have no timeouts. They're sort of in field goal range. Mm. So at this point, you're thinking, okay, intentional grounding. There will be a 10-second runoff. We're going to the half. Tony Elliott is waving players, like, get off the field. Stop chirping. Like, half is over. Oh, well, look at us. What was us? Uh, the refs, like, stop players from going into the tunnel. And apparently a Boston College player's helmet had come off. So that stopped or, okay, uh, like, nullified the 10-second runoff because of player safety. 
Uh, so there's three seconds left, and instead of trotting out the field goal kicker because they lost yardage on intentional grounding, uh, they just throw a go up and get it. Uh, it's a Hail Mary the, time. Yeah. The big tall receiver like hits him directly in the hands, and he made the catch way harder than it needed to be. Sure. Um, but still came down with it. Uh, they did go to booth review. It was ultimately play stands. And then Virginia goes into the locker room 21-7 and apparently did not feel the need to make any adjustments and or prepare for any adjustments <laughs> made against right. them. Uh, which yeah, seems the second, to be a bit second, of a theme. Right. Yes. Yes, that is a theme. Interesting, Jordan. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think Musket looked fine. He doesn't look, for my money, any better or worse than Calandria, which is probably a good thing that he's the starter and got to maintain his job. And he seems maybe a little bit less um, chaotic than Calandria, which maybe is maybe is what you're going for. <laughs> but yeah, so that second half this... was piss poor from a production standpoint. And it was I'm not saying you got to yank. I'm not saying you got to yank Musket because I don't know that's like Musket's fault, but. Like the fact that you mustered up like less than 40 total yards of offense in an entire half of football after scoring 21 points in the first half is like kind of like jarring. Yeah. Well, it looked like Boston College like started sending more people on on the blitz packages. And again, for whatever reason, Virginia just seemed unprepared to adjust to that Mm. when this is the fifth week in a row where the offensive line has been demonstrating protection issues. I would have hoped by now <laughs> we would have come up with some potential solutions to this. Right. Um, I think Musket probably knows the offense better than Calandria. He does things with more conviction. He doesn't always do them as well. He looks like, really cool also. He's got like a good look. Yeah. He's got a good quarter. He gives great quarterback There's face kind of on the sideline. Garoppolo face there is which is not a bad Um, thing you know not a bad thing to have a handsome quarterback um (laughs) but like i i don't think he's as creative a thinker on his feet as calandry is yeah and i think if you have o-line issues like the gunslinger wild boy might be (laughs) your better decision Um, listen he's going to keep both teams in the game and regardless being in the game is what matters i would like to see like okay you've established that you have two competent options at starting quarterback let's mix in some design quarterback runs to at least like make that something the defense has to think about right because you shouldn't be as worried about oh we have to bubble wrap our starter because no one's behind him there is another option behind him uh, I know Brennan Armstrong's not back there. We don't have a Thorder back back there who's going to run for 80, 90 yards a game. Right. But just, like, sprinkle it in there. Make it make it something they have to think about. Make yeah. it something they have to game plan for. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's the yeah. – I think I've said all I can say. I no, I mean – I, I yeah. see my time. At this yeah, you're, you're good. You're good. I, I wasn't I, – yeah, I, I didn't come away – you just come away kind of just deflated after this can keeps happening and you know it points to some organizational issues in 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 preparation right they're just not prepared to react yeah, like, or not prepared to not make the a, changes a sub tab on this 
offensive or defensive. If goal they team. start blitzing a lot, where is my <laughs> Jeff? Where are my Jeff Brom tunnel screen package? That, Where's that, my? That's where it's like, <clears throat> yeah, they they seem to do a really good job of like got a good start against Boston College, got a good start against Maryland. Um, yeah, like you seem to game plan well during the week for the thing that is on film, but the moment something changes, it's like, oh gosh, well, what, what can we do? They, yeah. They have outsmarted us. Like this wasn't on the film we watched. The big, the big fans of playing like three move chess and then just like, all right, well, you are in the better spot. So we just got to. Ah, that was yeah. way cooler than we could have imagined. So that was an excellent, you got excellent oh. castle. So Corner blitz. Wow. Man, Dang, was really hoping you wouldn't do that. <laughs> me. Hey, listen, not the only team that wears orange and blue that we could ask these questions about on this podcast. Hey. So we will keep it going. Jason, Team USA took on JMU this weekend. Tell me about it. Yeah. Uh, fun game is the uh, I don't know when the last time I watched a JMU football game from the stands as a fan was, but uh, it's been a while and I I was a fan on Saturday and it was great. Super good time. Uh, there's some JMU. It, it was uh, eye-opening to be back amongst the people and hear amongst the commoners. Hear what the yeah. Hear what the commoners have to say about various happenings uh, on the football field. Right. Uh, jarring. I'll say that. Um, but the Dukes looked. The commoners get some takes off. I'll say they, that they got some takes. It's, like, it's and... way better than whatever message boards geniuses can. <laughs> produce it's yeah live and living color and just a just a lot of like wait what do you what do you mean by that <laughs> and, you know, this out a little yeah let's, let's this feels like it warrants what, further discussion what, what uh, would you say it is that you think you mean by that <laughs> i would like to pull on this thread <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly exactly this feels like a deeper discussion anyways the dukes look no great. one no one likes let's have a deeper discussion about football guy no. either that's why we have podcasts so we that's can have correct. these so we can have deeper discussions yeah and both of our listeners appreciate that yeah um, but now the dukes stop me if you've heard this before the dukes looks awesome for a half and then took most of the third quarter off and then sure. held on for dear life in the fourth quarter um, rotating in a lot of uh bench players because it was family weekend and parents were in, t- in attendance. I didn't notice, but uh, yeah, let's go with that. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, wanted to keep button seats. Spin guy. Big spin guy. Yeah. No, smart. You're, you're, you're good at this. Oh, it's um, rotating in a lot of players in the third quarter. It was our plan. We just, it was our plan. That's <laughs> what parents we... showed up. Like, what are you going to do? Not play a guy? They get, they, get, they get four games before the red shirt. Might as well run them out. Um, yeah. But yeah, the Dukes were up, uh, went up, scored two touchdowns on the first two drives, I think. Uh, in a combined 33 seconds, four plays, um, really, really quick strikes, including a 44-yard touchdown pass to a tight end, which was awesome. Um, wow. We're leading 24 to seven at halftime. Uh, eventually, we were up 31-10 with 11:30 left in the fourth quarter, and then they scored two touchdowns and had the ball with a minute and 10 seconds left, and then they didn't really do anything with it. They were and like they're twenty with no timeouts. And, throw a pick. Yeah, the, the game. The game basically ended on uh, it was a three play sequence of screen pla- screen pass blown up for a loss of five, uh, mm-hmm. sack for a loss of six, interception. Um, so oh, oh, the holy never, uh, That's a great. That's a great yeah. scramble drill at the end. That's right. Um, so never really in doubt, but certainly like, hey, this feels like it should have been over like fifteen minutes ago. Um, right, but. Listen, if 
if you would have offered every JMU fan five and zero with the schedule that we had on October first, yeah, that would have that would have felt like you were lying. So, a uh, very impressive start to the season. Uh, won four of those games by one, like within the possession. So, might bite us in the at some point. But um, yeah, the Dukes the Dukes look good. The deep run defense gave up. Let me check there. I know our average went down. Um, oh wow! We gave up. 27 pat rush yards on 24 attempts. Um, does that factor in sacks, Jason? Yes. In college it, does it does factor in sacks. I think there were five sacks. Okay. So love to record sacks. Maybe, maybe four. I'm not sure. But uh they did not it it like I sat there at multiple points in the game, and my my buddy was next to me, and I was just like, I don't understand. There were multiple drives where South Alabama like hit three straight 12-yard completions, like just moved it over midfield with alacrity and then ran two running plays for negative one yard. And it was just like, I don't, I, I totally get, you got to establish it. Jason. I totally get people wanting to establish it and wanting to keep the defense honest, but like, we're not guarding the pass when you're keeping us on or when you're not keeping us honest. So you don't have to, like you don't have to waste those downs if you don't want to. Um, it's, a, it's a Mississippi state approach. It's just yeah. the, like the big dumb will must champ football approach. Like yeah. we are going to, run and establish it and we are going to own the ball and never There's score also some of that in the dr robert and i school of offense mm -hmm. of just like we can throw this anywhere we want <laughs> but i promised my running back seven touches <laughs> and i'm not throwing it to him maybe that's so. it maybe that's it and listen like I, I i say this um we don't we don't do that a ton on offense like people get on our offensive schemes but like you know Kurt Signetti was Saban's recruiting guy. Like Kurt Signetti's not going to show you a damn thing that isn't going to help him win by one point. So like, why are we getting all up in arms about anyways, five and O is five and O and that's pretty right. impressive. Uh, one more win and we will be bowl eligible. So long as there are fewer six win teams than there are bowl spots. Um, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. some, some iffy performances going on across the country. So TBD on that. Yeah. Um, it's very likely JMU ends up being the only bowl eligible school in the Commonwealth. This it's year. possible. Yeah. And they make the playoff. That would be sick. All right. Um, I do, you know, we, we've talked about Dr. Bob, but we do need to give a special shout out to one of the worst football viewing experiences of my adult life, which was Friday night's Louisville and NC State matchup. Logan, it I, was... I want to challenge you to reframe your viewpoint on this. Because we have a Commonwealth Cup coming up in seven weeks. Oh, I know. Awesome. Just, just add to date. Just to, to date. date. No, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, of, of my life. This was awesome. <laughs> so far. My life will hopefully make it another few weeks to the yep. Commonwealth Cup, I, I think. I hope. Uh, um, but, yeah, no. I, it, it was... It was awesome in all of the like ultra sicko mode ways that a game can be awesome. We had some just, I mean, we have had some banger. Brendan Armstrong like showed up on our he screen. He has been playing the hits. <laughs> yeah, he, he the jukebox of Brendan Armstrong hits. <laughs> there's been a, there's been a lot of. I've had I've had uh, various interests in NC State the last couple of weeks, and it's been a lot of it's been a lot of me texting you two like. What the hell was this? And you guys yeah. like, yeah, yeah. It's like the, there's that meme where it's like, yeah, have it where he's like standing on the gallows getting ready to get hung. He's like, oh, first time. Like that's yeah. that's yeah. just yeah, you well, guys. Like the last yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, it is like, and then like 
they'll have it humming and just absolutely balling outrageous. And then just the most colossally dumb thing will happen. The quarterback will either just yeet the ball into no man's land for an INT or will throw a pick in the end zone, or they'll run like some (laughs) Jordan backyard BS play. That's like a throw double throwback to an offensive lineman that just gets blown up. And Jason, I will also submit to you. You mentioned the blown up screen. Um, the blown up screen is one of the most deflating plays in all of yeah. college football, especially when you're like trying to get a drive going. It's like, okay, quick, let's get right. out of the quarterback's hand. Get the quarterback's rhythm and we'll feel it. Oh, no, it's second and 16. Okay. I think it's even worse when a drive is going because you've established <laughs> oh, that's things true. that yeah. work and you have deviated from those things. You just have like a, because... a wide receiver whiff on a block and you see the, the corner just looking the guy up and you're like, oh, yeah, no. because oh, your no. arrogance gives you the like. <laughs> un- undeviating like you can't even uh, uh, think of a situation where you're not three steps ahead of this this defense yeah yeah listen i so, i nc state welcome welcome to our welcome to the, welcome to the show years. welcome to the yeah. show NC state. welcome to the effing show <laughs> um feels good man feels good yeah all right well any other games you guys had any interest in Jordan? You have a team that you would like to um, publicly denounce uh, on the podcast. Yeah, if we want to warm up a seat, um, <laughs> I I know it's early in the man's career, but he did have uh, an interim tag taken off at the end of last year, so he oh, wasn't no. like truly interviewed for this position. Your uh, boy Brent I'm looking Key. at you, Brent Key. <laughs> um, Georgia Tech paid Bowling Green, who's head coach by. Urban Meyer. Oh, that's Bill Scott Leffler. Scott Leffler. Yeah. Still, he's still the coach yes. there. Georgia Tech, in their infinite wisdom, oh. paid Bowling Green $1.1 million for this singular home game. Uh, they, the same Georgia Tech that beat Wake Forest last week, got housed <laughs> by a bad Bowling Green team. He's been the head coach of Bowling Green since 2019. This is like year four. Good for him. Scott's got it going. I I did some Googling. I didn't make it to the Georgia Tech message boards. I don't know if those actually exist. Miles Um, is on it, I'm sure. We can get some input from Miles. I know he's listening. I did see a Reddit thread where fans were blaming the performance partially on the black uniforms that were worn by Georgia Tech. Oh, the glow-in-the-dark uniforms that they, that they wore for a 3.30 p.m. game? That was funny. They said too. their players looked much more gassed and tired than Bowling Green <laughs> and that they were drinking way more water on the sidelines. <laughs> yes. Yes. Not Which even like, energy Only drink. an engineer's eyes no. is going to pick this up. So right. kudos to the Rainbow Jack. Uh, you you cost me and my personal vision fund a banger of a weekend. Some units. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Sorry, Miles. You know, welcome. You know, Miles, no no stranger to this game either. So the just general despondence over college football <laughs> team that you're sort of married to for better or worse. So um, we're in the worst part. That's for sure. Jordan, take us to Pickville. All right. Let's go to Pickville. <laughs> Uh, we got into Pickville early this week. It was a Friday night arrival. Uh, Utah was at Oregon State. The consensus took an early hit. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I was sold a false bill of goods by Florida's defense week one. <laughs> yeah, in that they made Utah's offense look somewhat competent yeah. and threatening at times. Um, I'm going to 
with Oregon State here. One time. DJU has a cannon. Like, yeah, he can all get throws he makes from the bar hash to the other sideline. Are absolute lasers. Yeah. Seeds. I love. Bombs, I love when like of those QB guru guys use the term. He rips it. Like, oh yeah, he's ripping it. Like DJU definition of ripping it. I would submit that, like, at least in this game, Oregon State looked like what the best version of Utah looks like. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, my opinion on this is just the rent came due for Utah on the quarterback situation. I think they were yeah. trying to kind of patch patch it together into the bye week, which is either next week or the following week to get rising back after the bye. They almost did it. All right. I don't think they were probably planning on Oregon State being like really good. And I think Oregon State is at this point, like legitimately good. Um, but I think you're right, Jordan. I mean, they kind of they're tough and they play ball control. Um, and like I, I say this about florida too but like you can't do the thing where you expect your defense to give up less than seven points every game for your yeah. team to have a chance to win right and that's just you know that uh, like i said i just think the rent came due for utah and um i think they're a little bit limited with their quarterback situation now especially that people probably have some tape on them um and know sort of what's coming and uh yeah i'm curious to see like if they look better with rising because i know like their offensive coordinator i mean Andy Ludwig, he's like one of the highest paid OCs in the whole country, which is weird to think that Utah's current offensive coordinator is like that. I mean, remember he was almost, he almost became Notre Dame's OC during the off season. Remember he yeah. was like sitting in the box at a basketball game and everyone was up in arms. Um, and, you know, he stayed at Utah. So kind of curious that they haven't been able to figure a little bit more threatening stuff out, but uh, I just think they're really limited and the defense kept them in it to their credit, but you're going to give up some points eventually if you do absolutely on offense, and that's what they did. Yeah. Jason, would you like to add any thoughts, questions, concerns? No, you guys covered it. I mean, this was just if if Utah could have had a C-plus offense, I think they'd have been just fine in this game. Uh, but they, yeah. they need Cam Rising back, something bad. And I'm, I know Cam Rising is very good. I don't know if he's good enough to cover all that. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of. I mean, they don't even seem to be like running the ball that great. No, you know, like, like, they don't really. I don't know if they can keep Cam Rising clean. Like they, just, they need to figure some stuff out on the offensive. Not a lot of. There's not a lot of scheme going mm -hmm. on there. It's just kind of. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be one thing if like, oh, that receiver had two steps and the guy just missed them, like, or like, bland, oh, that guy, yeah. that guy held the ball too long, but they, they just can't get anything going. So, I don't bland, know. Effective football, yeah. not great. When it was weird, like, uh, I Johnson. Is the starter, I believe. Yes. Nate. Um, he missed a lot of throws. Accuracy was not there. Um, I think once they got down 14, it was like, okay, let's bring in the guy who throws accurately and we'll run that offense. Um, if, like, again, I said this about Virginia, but if you've got two guys you're comfortable playing at quarterback, like maybe run some more designed QB runs for the guy who is really fast especially I mean that's in, how they took advantage of Florida on their like one of their scoring drives in that game was straight QB run misdirection stuff yeah it, it was like they were trying to make him a pocket passer solely yeah. against and it, like against a defense that was defending a one-dimensional run game it was not effective sure so. all right moving on to Saturday we had a nooner at Kroger Field. Um, the Gators didn't get the memo. 
Mm-hmm. Apparently. No. Uh, I watched into the second quarter of this one, and then my attention span took me other places. But <laughs> That's uh, probably a good move. Yeah, I mean, Kentucky was like, they were there, and they were ready, and they were the much more physical, uh, crisply executing team. That's all I got. Seemed that way. I was I was at uh, Zane Choker Field at Bridgeport Stadium for the entirety of this one, so I just kept getting uh, text updates and seeing tweets that were just horrified by whatever Ray Davis was doing to Florida's defense. Um, but yeah, seemed a smidge lopsided. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it seemed to be a bit of an out out of character performance by the defense. Um, they really got pushed around. They didn't tackle well. I mean. Kentucky had it blocked up and he was, he was into the second level before he was getting really hit most of the time. And, you know, I, I want to say like they didn't tackle very well, but at the end of the day, you got a good running back with full head of steam and you're relying on some freshman corner to, you know, tackle him. Not going to happen. So yeah, really weird. Um, You know, curious why Florida struggles so hard to go on the road. Um, I think Napier's like one in, nine on the road or something like that that was a wild record really really bad uh you know i think my global take on florida is is the same as it was after the tennessee game the the tennessee game went exactly the way that florida needed it to go to win and i think that is exactly the way unfortunately all of Florida's wins need to go for them to win. And they don't have much of a plan for, we got to get back in this game. Um, I don't know if Mertz is, I don't, I don't particularly think that Florida's that limited at quarterback. Honestly, I think Mertz is fine. Um, but I do think that Florida lacks the ability to generate like any sort of like passing, um, passing game. That's like beyond 10 yards downfield. And I, I think some of that could be Mertz being a bit like totally in, in, you know, down to check down. I think some of that could be just who the dudes are and how the plays develop. And I think most of it's the offensive line. I think the offensive line is bad and I don't think it's gotten a whole lot better. Um, and, you know, they had an all American on that offensive line last year. They ran the ball really well. And this year they don't have him and he's playing for the Buffalo bills and he, you know, you're you're not really able to run the ball in the same sort of angry between the tackles kind of way that you want to to establish your play action game. That opens all your stuff up, and I think I'm just a little disappointed with like Florida's kind of like stubborn reliance on something that is not really working. So I don't know. I've got some. I've just got some. I've got some questions, right? Uh, Jordan, I find myself at a bit of a crossroads because I'm like totally out on the Tony Elliott experience at Virginia. And like, I think that like we're seeing like very similar trajectories kind of, um, albeit Florida's like recruiting at a top three level. So that's uh, not a bad thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm, aware, your I'm aware that that's not a bad thing. And that's why I think I'm willing to extend a lot of leash here. But I think that, um, I think that like it's going to get to a point where, Napier's going to need to figure out if he should be the guy doing all of the things that he's doing. And I'd like to see him like switch that up. You cannot stand up there and pound the podium and talk about how you have two offensive line coaches because you, that it means that much to your program to have two offensive line coaches um, 
and then have this level of offensive line play and offensive line talent. Yeah. You just, you just can't do that. I'm not into that. I think that's, I think that's like, and then yet again, Florida Today, has a, I was about to say, do they have another special teams screw up? Yes. Yet again, yeah. you have another, this is a freshman. You get called for leaping uh, over the punt, the punter's personal protector wall um, or, or whatever the call is. And that negates like the first time you got Kentucky off the field, the whole first half, you're getting the ball back with a chance to cut into the lead and actually like build on some momentum. And then Kentucky Ray Davis busts off a 65 yard run, scores a touchdown the very next play. So it was they did like block that. the extra point though. They did do a that. Special teams coordinator. Yeah. And then your yeah. your five star corner got run down by a kicker while he was returning the yeah. ball. So that wasn't a good look either. So, um, yeah, I uh, I don't know. I mean, the, the talent is clearly like young at Florida. Um, and you know what? We've been talking about Florida too much. I think Kentucky is like capital G good. Also, I think they're. Uh, I don't think Devin Leary is very good. <laughs> but he was. I look up his stat line. He was like nine of nineteen for sixty nine yards. Like, just, yeah, he didn't need to be. He didn't need to be, um, but I think Kentucky, like Kentucky, is the definition of like team who knows who they are, and their offensive and defensive lines are both really good, and they run the ball, and um, you know they suck the life out of out of the opponents that they play. Um, I certainly took the cheese on Kentucky because they hadn't played anybody, and they had looked like so so in in not playing anybody. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't want to like over dramatize. It also feels like though Kentucky could get beat by Georgia by like 35. Oh yeah. I think, I think they, they walk like a fine line too, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that's probably true. I think they probably walk a bit of a fine line as well. But I mean, when the measuring stick for, for Florida is like, we are so much softer than Kentucky, this team, Florida's got a ways to go. Yeah, that's fair. I'd also like to say just real quick, I don't ever think, I didn't ever really think this season was going to go well for Florida. I think you get seduced week to week by like different outcomes, right? So you your your excitement waxes and wanes based on how things go. Like I think Florida's pretty much where I thought they would be at this point in the season. I don't know that I would have picked them to beat Tennessee, maybe flip the Kentucky Tennessee results based on just like the way things tend or probably should go based on rankings and talent and stuff. But um Kentucky's won three in a row in the series. And they're clearly got something figured out now. Do we, does anybody know off the top of their head what the uh, preseason win total was for Florida? I think it was like seven and a half. Okay. All right. I was just curious. Seven and a half or eight. And I mean, I, I thought eight sounded like I would hit the under, but. Optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the yeah, you know, bad offensive line, Graham Mertz experience, Billy Napier offensive experience wasn't exactly inspiring me to think that they were going to be gunning some people down. Road game experience. (laughs) There was another team who struggled in a road game on Saturday afternoon. This would be the Kansas Jayhawks. Logan, Jason, uh, sweet Jalen Daniels. Right. Back tightness did not suit up. Or maybe suited up. Did not play, though. He did not. Yeah, he uh, left the game, I believe. And then the things did not go great. Our guy Jason Bean got to come back in, though. The Bean Man. As we've always called him. Well, I mean, I think didn't wasn't he? He led v- some valiant Kansas efforts last year. I, rem- I remember this guy. The backup quarterback for Kansas. Last name Bean. Tremendous. Yeah, I didn't watch. Uh, you didn't... have a better memory than I because. Uh, okay. That, uh, I can't believe you guys don't remember Jason Bean. Classic. I, know, but... 
Mr. Bean, they call him. Uh, no, I mean, I don't know. They this this one seemed like it got out of hand once Daniels was kind of out of the game. Texas seemed like they kind of played with their food a little bit and then yeah. uh, probably did what they needed to do heading into the Red River rivalry next week. Ooh. Yeah, I saw like 10 minutes of this game and it, it's there was a from what I could see a stark difference in the a stark difference. Even. Ooh, hey. I, oh, I will. I will. Um, just a, a very significant difference in the talent level on each side, which I think we all talked about. Uh, also, shouts out consensus pick got this one right. Um, yep. We have to give our We're back. We have to give ourselves credit when that happens. It's rare. We're moving in the right direction. Yeah, I, I think just I think Texas is a knock on wood like nationally elite team, and Kansas isn't. And I we'll think just, right we'll now Texas is the best team in the country. I I think they have a they have a, at least as good a case as anybody else. I don't. Yeah, I don't think that's super going out on a limb. Yeah. But I think to this point, they have the best resume. Yeah. And I think they are the most solidified in their identity as a this yeah. is what we do team. Um, I wouldn't disagree with any of that. I I like didn't watch this, which I regret now because I remember we were supposed to check on Sark's sunglasses. Did did either of you? They, they um, were they were in play. Listener, listener of the podcast, Mike Redman, um, did some checking in and, and said that they were, and I quote, awesome. So I, yeah. I was I was trying to find this and then I lost, I got sidetracked. I was probably wallowing in self pity or something. So yeah, I think I was yelling at the CW around this time. <laughs> I mean, who wasn't? They, they were about to start a new episode of Smallwood or, yeah. or whatever. And Smallville. Smallville. <laughs> Sorry. Smallwood was. Uh, <laughs> Taking place at Lane Stadium. Got him. (laughs) Looking at you, Narduzzi. Um, Is that all we have for Kansas, Texas? Yeah, sorry. I I I have nothing in depth on this. I mean, listen, I I will echo your. I I think that um, Texas is, from my money, one of the best teams. I I just want to. I want to know why is Oregon ranked so far behind Penn State? I think Oregon's one of the best teams in the country too, based on like what I've seen and. I don't think that their record has been awesome, but they like, I think they checked the boxes, Jordan, that you mentioned, like know who they are and they have good line play. So, so I will, like, I'll ask, I'll ask you, first of all, I think, I believe uh, in Bill C's, Bill C's resume rankings debuted uh, today. And I think Penn State's number one in those. Um, but I also, the unfortunate thing, like who would you, who would you put Oregon up above? Penn State. Um, Okay. This is Fair just enough. a 1v1. I mean, uh, <laughs> so ahead of them is USC, Washington, Penn State. Put them uh, ahead of USC also. And then um, I would put them ahead of USC. Put them ahead of Michigan. Strength of record. My, I mean, what's Michigan done? No, they have, they have no resume. No, I agree with yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Oregon's played like anybody awesome. I just like yeah. Michigan kind of seems to like sort of just like fiddle fart around and get to be like, oh, yeah, tough football. Yeah. Yeah. Run it. Uh huh. Kate. Gray. Yeah. I black. Yeah. Our free our coach who willfully so, suspended himself. I do think it's weird, and I, I'm like I'm actually kind of like genuinely excited about the next two and a half months of football because I like you could make a case for like seven different teams being number one right now, like three Pac-12 teams, which is crazy. And, yeah, three of them are Pac-12 teams <laughs> for the moment, and yes. um, you yeah, know, it, you know now that now that LSU coughed it up this weekend though that Alabama is definitely gonna make the playoff, right? 
We all we all see this happening. We yeah. just want to let's get out. It was the first week. domino that had yes. to fall. Week they can, five. They can start booking hotel rooms. That's cool. On on 10-1-2023, the We Were Up podcast has indicated that Alabama. We've seen enough. Yeah. We are calling. We've seen enough. Uh, speaking of LSU, yeah, they did lose in Oof. the six p.m. slot in spectacular fashion. This was a lane. This was the lane. Kiffin, this is why you have Lane Kiffin hey, kind of game. Raise your hand if you took a flyer and accidentally took the under on LSU all this. <laughs> That's not a boy. Jason. I did. Love hey, that. That's very big of you to me. was gone like five minutes into the second quarter. Yeah, they um, um... Lane looked so over adrenaline in post game <laughs> interview. Like my man needed a cigarette or seven. <laughs> just to just to reset. Reset the bats a little bit. Like he looked like he was gonna vomit. Yeah, he looked like he was really going through it heavy on the sideline too. Um, which I love. I love. Listen, I love a demonstrative guy that's really going through it on the sideline, <laughs> launching his clipboards, things of that nature. Um, yeah, no, this was this game was awesome. It was wide open. It was kind of it had the feel of the like whoever has the ball last on schedule is gonna have the best chance to win the game. Uh, we had some two point conversion decisions made by Lane. We had. We had RG3 on the call. We had out-of-pocket RG3 on the call. Well, he compared something to the crucifixion, right? I think I heard that. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think. Uh, listen, I'm in. I'm kind of into it, but it's, I it's I love crazy. watching games with RG3 on the call because there's literally. It's really no good for college, it's really good for college football. I yeah, think like it it, I don't think it would land in the NFL. Quite no, as well. well, like yeah, you get because you get people in the NFL and like you get some people in especially SEC football. Who are like, well, he just doesn't. He's not analyzing the game correctly and stuff like that. I was like, man, I don't care at all. Like, what do you, what do you mean by that? I mean, he like they're in the. I think it might have been LSU's game-winning drive when they threw a deep shot. It was bottom of the screen. Um, he did the Tony Romo thing where they were coming out of a timeout. Oh, he called and it. Yeah. He, drew the, he drew a circle around the safety, and he said, if this safety comes down, you're going to have one-on-one coverage at the bottom of the screen. You take a deep shot to this guy. Sure enough, that's exactly what Jaden Daniels did. Threw him a back shoulder ball, yeah. and like it was awesome. Um, my only beef with RG3 and his uh, Styl- sayings, Stylings. his sound bites, yeah. is that sometimes they're just clearly too scripted. And oh like, yeah, he's got he's got like a Rolodex that he's he's looking yeah. to he's looking he's, to plug him in. So. My man's got and index listen, cards I, on the window I love of the press that box. He cares that much, like to go to that length. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, do they usually put him with Mark Jones? Is that the guy yeah. that they usually put him with? Yeah, the two of them yeah. together, it's really fun. It's a fun yeah. listen. Mark Jones is like Loki, super duper funny too. Like yeah, I think. and he eggs RG three. <laughs> yes, yeah, he baits him into it. I think it was Wishusen on the call with RG three on Saturday night. But anyhow, good game. Uh, LSU like a very curiously uh, bad back end defensive performance. Yeah, by them, and uh, that just seemed very out of character for not what you would expect for yes. from DBU, right? <laughs> yes, very much if so. We're still doing that. Um, just I, 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 this also points to like it's just the interesting thing. Like, what was Ole Miss doing last week against Alabama? Like, how can they be so wide open and so like advantageous against an LSU team that's probably every bit as talented as Alabama's defense and, um. And, and does so Saban far. know Lane too well? Like maybe. That... I mean, he it might just be so far in his head that he just like 
overthinks himself or, or whatever, but, um, you know, and I mean, I don't know, like I, there are some things that Ole Miss appears to do. Like if a play works, like they're totally down to run the same play again in the opposite direction, especially if it's like a little you press quick, the black button. Yeah, on exactly. Xbox triangle, triangle. Yeah. 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 Triangle L one or whatever. It flips it over. And, um, and like, I think things like that are interesting to see because like sometimes I think some of this stuff like ain't that deep, right? Like, and I think Lane does it, it when he's really got it cooking. He does a really good blend of like his offense isn't that, like that exotic. Like they create space and they get guys open, and you know they do a really good job of staying like balanced and and I don't mean balanced and like they run past fifty percent of the time, but like they attack the field in a balanced manner um, that I think keeps the defense off balance in in turn. So. Uh, a vintage Lane Kiffin offensive coordinating performance, really fun game. The atmosphere in Oxford was pretty crazy. We had kind of a bad call situation at the end. There was some trash thrown on the field. Love that. Love to see some. Love to see some trash thrown on the field. Um, I believe we had a, a high noon can, just like a lone high noon can laying uh, in the end zone during one of the shots, which is kind of funny. Mad Brian Kelly, always a joy. Also, big mad Brian Kelly. But this is a good game. I mean, I, I feel, I. I I probably feel more, obviously I feel more encouraged about Ole Miss than LSU, but seeing LSU's offense, like get up and go like that was probably pretty encouraging to some LSU fans. Yeah, I would agree. They are very um, hot and cold LSU. Yeah. So we'll see if that bites them again this season or not. They do have to oh, play. I'm what, sure it will. Do they play Alabama? What? Uh, probably not too long. We'll find out. We'll keep an eye on it. We'll monitor the situation. Uh, They play Alabama November 4th. Okay, so So we got a month. Three games in a bye week. Sick. Yeah, they go to Missouri this week. Excited to see um, how... Missouri. Excited to see how, like, uh, you know... Florida's inability to score on this LSU defense that is obviously down to give up points. Yeah. If anybody can get your defense back on schedule, it's we'll playing the way. Gators. Yeah. <laughs> the get right game. Yeah. Missouri's five and zero oh and ranked number 21 in the country. I think this, right. the, the wildness of this year has given like not really rebirth because it's always been there, but like the 19 to 25 rankings of just like, hell if I know, like very, very anybody can get there. Real strong yeah, rotation this year, yeah. Well, yeah, you got Tennessee. I mean, somehow Oklahoma is 14th, and LSU with two losses is 13th, which is funny. I mean, maybe this is not quite updated yet, but Oklahoma like kind of good, good this year. Might Dylan be Gabriel is rounding into form. Well, yeah. and they they have one of the situations where I think their backup quarterback is like a like a ultra recruit, like a five star. On the on three rankings, he's a five. He's a five star plus Jordan. You, I know you're you're happy to see when they oh, do. Yeah. He's a six star, and um, I think like they've been so far ahead in games that I believe his name is Jackson Arnold. He's played a lot, and I think looks oh, I like think I remember seeing. He looks this, like a headshot of this guy. He looks like way better than Gabriel, <laughs> and it's like causing a bit of a quarterback controversy when because like the starter is playing too good, it's giving the backup guy too much time to come in there and show off. Yeah, I mean. We'll see. They they might Kelly Bryant, Dylan Gabriel though, which would be intriguing. Yeah, that w- Venable saw that up that close in person. He knows how to do that. He can he can he can put a bullet in a quarterback's head and anytime. You know, Tony Elliott was party to that too. 
But uh, oh god, I don't. We don't. We're done. We can't be talking about him again on this podcast. We need to move on. <laughs> the Her other thing keeping Tony Elliott around for me is his commitment to the Cavman facial hair, which is you know good for him. It's good branding. Go ahead, Jordan. Sorry. Uh, Notre Dame was at Duke for our nightcap, 7.30 p.m. Ah, brutal. I saw... Gosh, this under felt so good to hit. (laughs) I saw the final, like, quarter and a half of this game. The perfect amount of this game to watch. Just Probably true. Delightful 24 minutes that I watched. It had a kind of frenetic pace to it that except for such a low scoring game. It was um, like like the last the last section there was just holding on for dear life and you just along for the ride. It was wonderful. Highly that's recommend. About, that's about what I watched too, Jason, actually. Uh like I said earlier on the podcast, I just I came away very impressed with Duke. Yep. They it's are exceedingly, exceedingly competent. Yeah. It would appear they have a handful of dudes, which is great for them. Um and they like they have a defensive lineman that's just absolute hoss, too. I don't know if you saw yes. that guy. Number five, I think. Um, love a single, we love a single-digit defensive lineman. But, yeah, I mean, Duke looks really good. Notre Dame seems a little constipated on offense still. Um, now I'll, they played two good defenses in a row. Which I'll, I say, so I'll, give, them, I'll give them a good yeah, allowance yeah. for the, the quality defenses and coming down from the emotional high of last week. But I do think if it becomes a theme, they're going to need to figure something out. But I mean, like, I, I would imagine stepping down from Ohio State's level of talent to Duke's is, should be, you know, should, should, should help, help unlock the offense a bit. I don't know what the deal is. I think they've had some fair, receiver we, we injuries that. that they've been dealing with, I believe, too. So. That sounds right. And we say this, and they, they went on a 10 play, 95 yard drive in two minutes to win the thing. So very Weird. impressive drive. Yeah. Tremendously impressive drive at the end. Uh, Hartman's run on fourth and 16. Uh, yes. The stuff of legends. If uh, Notre Dame goes on to have like the season that they probably want to he have, was ready for some more rib necklaces. He it, was yeah, just like it was. If it happens, it happens. The like situational irony or whatever of like the announcers just gushing about like Mike Elko's defense, like not ever taking their foot off the gas and they bring pressure and that's what they do. He's one of the most aggressive men in the world. This whole, like the, the, the thing that they're just saying about him. And then on that play, they rush three and like go super soft umbrella coverage. And like Hartman has to like decide if he wants to run or not, like twice as he's rolling out yeah. and still gets the first down. Just he did the like that has to suck for Duke because they had been lighting him up up against the line of scrimmage. Yeah, yeah. as he got closer uh, okay. and closer to the sideline, he's like, oh well, okay. f it, here, here we go. Yeah, here we go, and um, yeah, and that was that was a you know if you're a Notre Dame fan, that's the legendary play, right? If you're Duke, it's like, oh man, we probably just needed to try to heat him up, yeah, light him up one more time because yeah. I mean the goal there needs to be for him to get the ball out of his hands quickly, not. For and like before even a 17 yard down the field route develops, right? And you know, make it make it more of a wing and a prayer and a little bit less of a let me find a soft spot in the zone or pick up the pick it up with an it wasn't an easy run, but pick it up with a, a well chosen run. So he had plenty of open field in front of him, right? To add insult to injury on the I think almost last play of the game, Duke's uh quarterback who's pretty good himself, Riley Leonard, uh goes down uh, after hucking it down the field with sort of a like got rolled up on, you know, you folded backwards a little bit. Yeah. The knee folded back situation. The, the initial word on that is they're not expecting it to be season ending. <laughs> so I guess that's good news. I would think at based on, you know, as a, as a veteran of this game, diagnosing things that I see, uh, 
I think at best that's a high ankle sprain. Um, that was at, the term I was thrown around. Yeah, that's what yeah. they say. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, like I said, at best, but you know, people say high ankle sprain sometimes worse than breaking the ankle. So, um, and it is true. They say that for a reason. But uh, yeah. it is a uh, 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 that was just like it takes a lot for me to like feel some feelings for Duke sports. And I like was kind of legitimately bummed for Duke there because not only did I have them to cover and they just, it, they, it really got pulled out from under us with a touchdown, a totally unnecessary touchdown. First of all, estimate, you got to go down at the one there. Totally unnecessary. The game winning touchdown. <laughs> well, why are you giving the ball back to him, Jason? You could also just park it at the one and kick a field goal when the game with zero time left. Hello. Hello. Okay, and then well, you're, so and you then Riley Leonard doesn't get it. You still had a shot because they went for two to make it yeah. a seven point game. That was a yeah. tense two point conversion. Feel free to not give up the two point conversion. Well, Duke defense. Listen, Mike Elko. <laughs> Mike Elko is the most aggressive man in the world. Yeah, Logan. the most aggressive man in the He's world. Just out here getting shredded by two point conversion plays. <laughs> shredded. They gave up like seventeen points in the to- in the game. Anyhow, yeah. um, that's great. Whatever. Shout out to uh, to Duke and uh, and I guess to Notre Dame. Uh, so Duke Duke does have their bye this week, um, which is good for Riley Leonard's ankle. But then they go uh, home, NC State. Riley Leonard's ankles was getting a bye this week, regardless. Yes, um, they go home, NC State at Florida State Ooh. at Louisville. I wish they speaking got of that nineteen speaking of that nineteen to twenty five range. That's number 25, Louisville, to all of you and your family. Oh, oh God. Right? Get out of here. 5-0 oh. and oh, Louisville. That's right. Their quarterback almost looked worse than Brendan Armstrong on Friday night. And and That's Brendan actually, Armstrong was was out here doing the most there was, to there was some, give there games away. There were some mortar shots going on. <laughs> Someone's probably outside the hash. In the 50 50. That's all right. I've just I forgot how much the Brendan Armstrong release, like the the wind up and release, like it, it makes me feel it makes, it makes me yeah, it makes me feel things and I'm kind he of throws like, with the big muscles, <laughs> not, <laughs> not with the wrist in the hand. He's, he's an anaerobic thrower, not an aerobic. He's gonna be a great golfer because he knows how to activate the core. It's probably true. Muscles. And he's left handed, so he can play right handed and get his get his lead hand just just ripping through the zone. Right. Um, I wish Duke got Florida State later in the year, so yeah. Leonard could potentially be back. But yeah, that would be probably a more fair test. So things probably fingers, got a little fingers bit crossed better. those ligaments uh, heal up quick. Yeah, maybe they'll send him to Germany and put him on the stem machine there. Get some of those stem cells that Kobe got. Exactly. R.I.P. R.I.P. One love. All right. So that was Pickville. Yeah. One and four, a one and four week for your boy. Excited to be back. The roller riding, coaster's back going. I was riding high. Um, you know, maybe you rose too quickly. That could have been it. Maybe you need a slow climb. You got, your picks got you know, the balance, man. I, I, you know, I see now where my error was, and that was trusting road Billy Napier. I would have gladly taken a two and three week. You know, um, I got seduced by the line changing so much really also on that Florida yeah. game. I don't know what that was all about. Like yeah, what, what they have a, a guy at practice, just like talking about how much Ricky Pearsall was just frigging getting open or something. I mean, geez Louise, it's okay. It'll all soon be over. Global warming's gonna end. Global warming's coming for us all. So, so the end of the world will save us from these picks. 
Okay. Um, well, you guys got anything else? Any 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 plans you want to discuss? Any you bit another big week? Ready to get back to the grindstone, huh? Nose down. Summer of Jason continues, yeah. but that's right. Summer month, October. Ready to get going. Take care of the shareholders. Yeah. As one does. Yeah. Yes. Same Z's. Although I am a shareholder, so you know. Oh, congrats. Oh, equity. What a... As a as a shareholder. <laughs> as a shareholder myself. <laughs> I am happy you to know. Work I'm something of a shareholder. <laughs> I'm a bit of a shareholder myself. All right. Uh, before we lose any momentum that we've built, I'm going to go ahead and end this podcast. So thank you, each and every one of you, for joining us on the Wheel Route. It's been a blast. We're on we're on Instagram at Wheel Route Podcast. Send us emails, wheelroutepodcast at gmail.com. Go to the website. It is the T H E wheelroute.com. You can get the show there. Uh, you can see the pics there. Check up on us. Do some of your own math. You can see pictures of our faces there. Until we meet again, I love you guys. Go Gators. Go Hoos. Go Dukes. Go Dukes.